The KXAN News Podcast is sponsored by Shelf Genie. A new push by a Texas lawmaker to close the dead suspect loophole. What that is and how it could impact crime victims, including the Uvalde families. And reducing repeat calls to 911 so emergency crews are ready to roll when every second counts. How one central Texas county is using new tech to solve an old problem. And another spectacular day, but it won't feel this comfortable outside much longer. Your first morning forecast is coming up. First at five, calls and protest for new gun restrictions in Tennessee, resulting in actual change. Thanks for joining us. I'm Daniel Muddy. And I'm Dela Washington. Tennessee's Republican governor signed a bill into law creating new background checks, and he's calling for another that would temporarily remove guns from dangerous people. As Dan Sheneman reports, this comes as the second of two Democratic lawmakers voted out of the state house and gets his seat back. Less than a week after he was expelled from the Tennessee State House, Justin Pearson can now be Representative Pearson again. I'm so glad we get to get back to doing our job. The Shelby County Commission voted to reinstate him as the District 86 House Representative. They tried to expel the people's choice and the people's vote. And they awakened a sleeping giant. Pearson and Representative Justin Jones who returned to the House Monday, expelled for taking part in a protest, calling for stricter gun control. It followed the mass shooting at a Nashville school that left six dead, three of them children. I am sick and tired. It reignited calls for tighter gun laws. Cried out. You know, we're cried out. We don't need a day to mourn. We need a day of action. The call for action may be gaining momentum. Nothing is more important than the safety of Tennesseans and certainly the safety of Tennessee children. Tennessee's governor signed an executive order to strengthen background checks. He's also backing legislation to keep guns away from people who are a threat. We should work to set aside our differences and accomplish something that Tennesseans want us to get accomplished. Now a call for unity in the wake of tragedy. Dan Sheneman, NBC News. To the Texas Capitol now, where a crowd of Texas state employee union workers rallied. Among their demands, the group is lobbying state lawmakers for a $10,000 a year raise for all state agency and university workers. Also in the group, retired state employees wanting cost of living adjustments. They point to the state budget surplus as one reason why now is the time. Well, there has been a really, really long impasse in providing raises for state workers. And we have fallen behind in terms of cost of living and every other metric that you can look at. So first and foremost, we're asking that the legislature address that pay gap. Well, the group is also calling to increase funding and staff levels across the state agencies as well as universities. The drugs you get from the pharmacy may soon be coming from our neighbors up north. Earlier today, the Texas House of Representatives passed a bill that would allow the import of, quote, safe and affordable Canadian drugs. Proponents of the bill say Texans could save somewhere between 60 and 70 percent on potentially life-saving drugs. Texans pay twice what Canadians pay for their prescription drugs. But that is about to change. The House just passed our bill to safely import cheap prescription drugs from Canada to Texas. And this can save lives. 
And six other states like Florida and Colorado are already doing something similar. And within the past 90 minutes, House lawmakers heard testimony on a bill that would end Texas's so-called dead suspect loophole. For years, KXAN has investigated this loophole, which allows people to keep information secret in closed criminal cases that don't go through the court process, even when a suspect dies in police custody. El Paso Representative Joe Moody, who authored the bill, says the need to close the loophole came into crystal clear focus after Uvalde. Moody cited video showing law enforcement in action released not by authorities, but by the House Investigative Committee on the Robb Elementary School shooting. The video you've all seen of that incident is only out there because Chairman Burroughs took the courageous step of announcing that he intended to release the video in violation of the law to get the truth out. If he hadn't, it would still be secret today, even for the families whose children never came home that day. Now, some law enforcement testified against the bill, citing concerns that unrelated and unsubstantiated allegations against officers could be made public. Moody says his bill is, quote, narrowly tailored and would not make past allegations public unless it pertains to a dead suspect. First warning weather with Chief Meteorologist David Yeomans. Well, another gorgeous day, but a little more humid and a little warmer out there this evening. Beautiful out here in Granite Shoals. Very few clouds on the Whittlesea Landscape Supplies Cam. Temperatures were in the upper 70s there. Temperatures area-wide, mainly 2 or 3 degrees warmer than yesterday. A little more reason for the air conditioner, at least outside this evening. Now, the radar is clear and dry across our 15 counties, but just to the east, we're monitoring a complex of showers and weakening thunderstorms. They've been trying to push uh, westward toward Highway 77. Our forecast does not include any rain this evening, but just want to let you know I am keeping an eye on that for our friends east of Austin. Coming up in your forecast, warming trend accelerating. I'll show you when the heat and humidity become a little more uncomfortable and also the latest on the weekend cool front and storm chance. All right, David, thanks so much. Well, thousands of people in Richmond, Indiana, have been ordered to evacuate from their homes and schools because of a toxic fire at a plastics recycling plant. This is about 70 miles east of Indianapolis. How the fire started, we still don't know yet, but the city has been in a court battle with the owner over concerns about storing plastic in buildings and large tractor trailers. There's a worry that there could be cancer-causing chemicals from that burning plastic. The evacuation zone is everywhere within a half mile of that site. National Public Radio, NPR, is quitting Twitter after the platform owned by Elon Musk stamped its main account with the label state-affiliated media. Now, that label is also used to identify media outlets that are controlled or heavily influenced by authoritarian governments like Russia and China. Twitter has since changed the label to government-funded media, which it's also using for PBS and the BBC. NPR says it, quote, will no longer be active on Twitter because the platform is taking actions that undermine our credibility by falsely implying that we are not editorially independent. PBS also says it has stopped tweeting and has no plans to resume. The Salvation Army shelter in downtown Austin will close this Saturday, April 15th. That's one month later than it originally planned after announcing in February it would close permanently on March 15th. It pushed the closing date back because the city did urge it to stay open for as long as it took to find new locations for all of its 100 clients. Well, just ahead, what an alternate juror in the Daniel Perry murder case is saying about the governor's push to pardon him even before he's sentenced. And the plastic pieces were once so popular. Tupperware parties were all the rage just ahead. 
why you may not be able to buy new pieces. Plus, repeat 911 calls in Williamson County dropped by 80%. How do they do it? We'll show you. Well, here's a live look from outside an iconic Austin honky-tonk, the Broken Spoke. The dance hall that opened back in 1964 received a Texas historical marker in 2021. And tonight at 530 is the big dedication, followed by a concert with Elvin Crow and Ian Stewart beginning at 7 p.m. Among those expected for the dedication, the family of the late owner, James White, Governor Abbott, Mayor Kirk Watson, and Councilmember Ann Kitchen. Well, an alternate juror came out today saying Governor Greg Abbott working to pardon Daniel Perry is a, quote, egregious overreach after the jury decided to unanimously convict him of murder. Now, while we wait for the Board of Pardons and Paroles to consider this case and to find out when he will be sentenced, we're looking back at just how complicated all of this is. So you might remember at a Black Lives Matter protest in 2020 that summer, Garrett Foster, an Air Force veteran and protester armed with a rifle, was shot and killed by Army Sergeant Daniel Perry. Now, Perry had come into town from Colleen to make money Uber driving and told police after being distracted by his phone, he looked up to find protesters surrounding and kicking his car. Fast forward to a couple of weeks ago, after an eight-day trial with nearly 40 witnesses testifying, the jury did ultimately find Perry guilty of murder. The state claiming his social media and private conversations with friends showed his anger toward protesters, and the state said he actually started the altercation. Now, uh, we, are, we do know that less than 24 hours after that guilty verdict last Friday, Governor Greg Abbott said he wants to pardon Perry and ask the Board of Pardons and Paroles to review the case, which is a rare move. That prompted the DA's office to ask to meet with the board just yesterday, and they want to present that same evidence to members that jurors saw. Perry's attorney shortly after filed a motion for a new trial. And we've got all of this detailed right now over on KXAN.com. We know it's a lot, so you can head over to our website. The story is on our homepage. Well, there's hardly a kitchen in America without Tupperware, but that could change. The colorful bowls and tops that have been used to store everything from casseroles to cookies for more than 75 years. But now the company is warning it's having serious cash flow issues. Ahead on NBC Nightly News, what's behind Tupperware's rise and fall and why its profits have gone stale? Well, today, Austin's eighth consecutive day of cooler than normal afternoon highs. Just barely squeezed in there at 79 when the average is 80. Coming up, our luck runs out with warmer and more humid weather and also a look toward the weekend. This KXAN News Podcast is brought to you by Shelf Genie. I'm Rosie Newberry from KXAN Studio 512. Considering replacing your kitchen cabinets? Struggling to find or reach things? Go to ShelfGenie.com slash Austin. Shelf Genie designs custom pull-out shelves for your existing cabinets, adding convenience and value to the most used room in your home. Shelf Genie custom pull-out shelves, everything in reach. We all know emergency health care is expensive, and for years we've looked into the reasons and the costs of so many people calling 911 for non-life-threatening emergencies. So new tonight, KXAN's Mercedes Hernandez shows us what Williamson County EMS is doing that has reduced the number of repeat calls to 911 by 80%. One of our primary focuses were those individuals who were making multiple trips in an ambulance to the hospital. So Amy Jarosek leads Williamson County EMS's Community Health Paramedic Program. It launched nine years ago. Back then, the team identified repeat callers to 911 to find out why they call so much. The team addressed their problems, often with education about chronic illness, 
or referrals for things like mental health services. They get to spend as much time with us as they need to spend with us, so they truly feel cared for. This is our electronic health record. The team also uses this software from ESO that tracks everything from vitals to what happens after a patient is released from care. Chief Medical Officer Brett Myers says the program does more than just help paramedics. So we can say, when you took the patient to the detox center, they did great. Look, they're 30 days and they're doing great. That reinforces that good behavior for both the patient and what the EMT or paramedic was able to do to help that patient. Jurasek says the county will continue to look at how it can improve patient care. In the meantime, her team will keep up their work. There's always lots more opportunities for us to go out and identify these individuals and figure out how we can connect them with the resources that they need to live their best life. In Williamson County, Mercedes Hernandez, KXAN News. And going in depth, Austin Travis County EMS has done something similar. It created its Collaborative Care Communication Center to cater to people who call 911 but don't necessarily need to be taken to the hospital. The center has its own team of dispatchers and physician assistants who can make house calls and help fill prescriptions. The center has been a part of the city's effort to extend services to those experiencing homelessness as well. EMS says only about 6% of the calls they receive have to do with life-threatening emergencies. First warning weather with Chief Meteorologist David Yeomans. Well, 517 now, and we have really lucked out with this spectacular spring weather all week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, pretty much the same. Another evening of partly cloudy skies, a little bit warmer and a touch more humid, but still very nice. 78 degrees on the Austonian weather cam. As warm as 80 in Lockhart, 82 in San Marcos. Most of us, though, a little bit cooler than normal for more than a week straight now. 75 in Burnett and 79 out west in Mason. Allergies could be worse. Nothing high or very high. These are all on KXAN.com along with 24-hour trend graphs if you want to check those out. Grass and mold might be bugging you a bit. Everything trending a little higher than yesterday, but things like oak luckily still in the low concentration. As I mentioned yesterday, I think last week's rain really helped us with the seasonal oak. The clouds and radar showing a little spinning storm system, the same one we've been looking at all week in the same position it's been all week. It's trying to send some clouds and rain showers to our Highway 77 corridor east of Austin. It's going to largely fail, though, in doing so. The main feature of the weather we're watching going forward is this different storm, not heading directly toward us, but instead heading toward Nebraska and Kansas with a little change to our weather later this week. That little change, warmer, muggier, and then a slight chance of a couple storms. The muggy meter is still in the comfortable category, just where I like it this time of the year. But by late tomorrow, Friday, and early Saturday, the humidity gets uncomfortable, and you'll be using the AC a bit more. On Saturday evening into Sunday, though, notice the humidity drops off as another cool front blows through, and it'll feel great all over again. Temperatures with a light southeasterly breeze tonight, not quite as cool as they have been, but another really nice start if you ask me tomorrow. Lower and middle 50s, a couple degrees warmer than previous mornings. Tomorrow afternoon, it's a little warmer, uh, lower middle 80s, warmest out west in Mason and Llano. That south-southeast wind starts to uh, pick up just a bit. But it doesn't bring the return of clouds just yet. Tomorrow morning, another beautiful sunny start and very few clouds through the afternoon and evening tomorrow. But on Friday, as the humidity really ramps up, we're going to wake up mostly cloudy, some areas of fog and drizzle possible. And then on Friday, certainly not a rainy day, but under mostly cloudy skies, we can't rule out a couple showers and storms. This model has them most likely wandering from the hill country into Austin late Friday night into early Saturday. But notice they kind of fall apart as they do so. 
on Saturday morning. Let's switch over to our extended model. First, I did want to mention we do have a very slight chance of a couple strong storms north of Austin on Friday and Friday night. We'll keep an eye on that threat for you in the next couple days. Here's the extended model showing the main event with this storm system. It's a cool front blowing through now a little earlier in the day on Saturday. Just an isolated shower or storm midday through the afternoon. Nothing too scary on our forecast here. And then the humidity and temperatures drop nicely. Okay, tonight clear and cool with light winds, 54 degrees by morning. Tomorrow, a little warmer than normal for the first time in almost a week and a half, 82 degrees with humidity increasing off that south-southeasterly breeze. 82 turns to 84, then 89 on Saturday. Notice rain chances, they're possible, but they're quite low for us on Friday and the first half of the weekend. This coming weekend, the day to be outdoors, Sunday. Temperatures and humidity drop behind that cool front, and overall mild and mainly dry weather continue through much of next week. Well, up next, the rise of the robots. Three controversial pieces of crime-fighting technology are about to hit the streets of New York City. Buckingham Palace says Prince Harry will attend his father's coronation, but he will be traveling alone. The palace says the Duke of Sussex will be there for King Charles III's coronation on May 6th, while Harry's wife, Meghan Markle, stays back in California with the couple's children, Archie and Lilibet. Now we've also learned during the coronation, Queen Consort Camilla will be crowned as Queen alongside her husband. Nine-year-old Prince George, son of Prince William, will be a page in honor of his grandfather. Hey, well, the New York City Police Department is showing off new high-tech robots to fight crime. Gus Rosendell introduces us to the new recruits expected to hit the city streets this summer. First, there is Digidog sniffing out danger. Then there's the GPS dart tracking cars driven by people up to no good. And you might run into this roundish robot keeping an eye on places like Times Square. We want the public to know that the use of these technologies will be transparent, consistent, and always done in collaboration with the people that we serve. The NYPD showcasing three new tools that will be rolled out in the coming months. Pilot programs, the department says, linking cops with new technology, especially during extreme situations. In hostage negotiations, counterterrorism incidents, and other situations as needed. Digidog was originally launched during the de Blasio administration, but the program was suspended. Civil rights activists said it was an example of over-aggressive policing. Today, Mayor Adams barked back at those complaints. Digidog is out of the pound. Digidog is now part of the toolkit that we are using. Similar robots have been used in places like airports and college campuses, cameras and two-way communications, connecting police with people who need help. The GPS Dart, already in use, launched in some cases at so-called ghost cars, illegal rides using phony paper license plates. And why we're doing this, it allows our officers to stay safe, stay safe, limit pursuits, and let the GPS do its job. So who pays for all this stuff? Well, police say 750 grand for two dogs comes from forfeiture money, additional funds from the capital budget. The mayor took a bite at reporters asking specific money questions. This is an investment in our public safety. That was Gus Rosendale reporting. Mm -hmm. All right, well, it's Chicago Nights on KXAN. Catch up on Chicago Med at 7, Chicago Fire at 8, and PD at 9 o'clock before we're back with KXAN News at 10. Thanks for listening to KXAN News Nightly. You can also listen to KXAN News Today every morning for more in-depth coverage of what matters most to you.